Sing out the jubilee with all the fire we can breathe. I was thinking because of what we're going to talk about later, we should start this episode with a prayer. Oh, really? No, but I wanted to get your reaction. I was not ready for that. (coughs) So I've been thinking about this because I listen to all kinds of podcasts and some of the more ministry focused ones often do open with prayer. Yeah, that's cool. We just talked about. But it's because they're often recordings of events. Mm. And so to me, it makes more sense to open with a prayer because you're in a room of people and wanting blessings on the proceedings. Sure. But I feel like when it's a podcast, it's more performative. That's what I was going to say. If you wanted to do a prayer, it should be between the two of us, not published, like before we hit record. Right. I was thinking of when Jesus talks about the man who's praying in the street corner and gets his reward for being recognized as being pious and praying outside. Whereas he tells you to go and pray in your closet where no one can see Mm -hmm. and then you'll have Mm -hmm. your reward. I don't know why I was thinking about that in the context of what we're going to talk about later, but that's why we don't pray on this podcast. But I was thinking also for all of you who are begging for an explanation. Well, you say that uh, I listen to, like I said, uh, other podcasts, other Christian podcasts, they other hosts get in trouble for not praying, for not being more explicitly Christian. I can't, yeah. And right. so you can't win because if you're trying to have a broad appeal, a libertarian. Well, right, exactly. If you're trying to have a broad appeal, the people who are not Christians are going to say you're too Jesusy, mm-hmm. you're a Bible thumper. Mm-hmm. But the Christians, you're never Christian enough for, right. so you can't win. Right. And so we just have to stay in our lane. What was the newsy thing we were going to open with? Oh, California right now is debating a bill uh, to redefine child abuse to include not affirming your child's... See, I hesitate because even saying preferred pronouns is now hateful. Uh, But if your child starts using pronouns other than the ones that seem to correspond with their sex and you don't also use those pronouns or... It's unclear how supportive you have to be or what support even entails. But the state is redefining that as child abuse. And this came up specifically in the context of child custody disputes. Laura's drinking coffee. I'm sorry. I'm chugging my iced coffee. Go ahead. And so you can use it as evidence that one parent is more fit than another by saying, well, this parent affirms... The mom. The white mom. Probably. Yeah. Affirms the gender of the child if it doesn't correspond with sex and oftentimes no and so they're i'm sighing because it just it's confusing not the no, way that you're is. explaining it just like the world that we live in is confusing and i'm trying not to be so hesitant as i'm talking i'm not worried about offending people i don't want to be unnecessarily offensive but i'm trying to explain the bare facts but even trying to do that you have to walk on eggshells or no, you're you in violation. No, you don't. You're no just... or you're, he- you're claimed to be in violation if you don't adhere to all the right words. Okay, so the state of California says that if you don't use your kids' preferred pronouns, what, CPS comes to your front door and takes them? So that's the question. They're redefining child abuse yeah, to how include is it not affirming a child's chosen gender 
And so does that mean they'll be able right. to remove them? Didn't Washington the State just do this too? I think there are similar bills all around, yeah. But, but it's being debated in the California legislature right So it's now. not been signed? No. But there was a video going around of, I think it's an assemblywoman on the floor, talking about why mm. she wants to expand these protections mm -hmm. for these trans kids and what the state's going to do <laughs> to mandate I that. just, like, I was... I was ready to go, you know, to war <laughs> about the vaccines, but like pronouns, that's such like a not sexy thing to like charge across the field with a bloody sword about. I don't want to do that. That is not cool. Guns, sexy revolution, you know, medical freedom, sexy. Uh, I'm trying to think of something else, but like preferred pronouns, trans crap. I don't want, that's just so lame. It's, it's funny that you say that. I've heard more pushback from unexpected places on that point. Like you would expect me to channel Jordan Peterson right now. They're demanding that you reject reality. Truth. So the yeah. cliche, George Orwell, they're demanding that you say two plus two is five. Mm. So Jordan Peterson isn't the only person I've heard say that. And I don't even know if he's put it that way. I heard someone on the Reason podcast say that. Mm. And he's experiencing that with his daughter, who's fully enmeshed in that ideology from her public school. And he says it's causing a lot of problems at home. Oh, go figure. Well, yeah, I know, shock, but everything point, he though, argues, though, is yeah. that, oh, it shouldn't matter. Everybody can decide whatever, but now. It's causing problems. And well, so now he's making that argument. That was the whole, like, that was the linchpin in 1984 for absolute control over the people via the state was that they got the children to turn in their parents. Hmm. And so if you can indoctrinate the children into believing a different set of truths or that there is no truth at all, then you can convince them that the moral thing to do would be turn in your parents because they're committing thought crimes. And so... Yeah, that's the public schools or the indoctrination centers to deploy that army. He said she gets upset with them if yeah, they she see. Yeah, would, wouldn't she though? Because the people who she has been taught by her parents are education, educational authorities, teaching authorities are not her parents. They're the people in those public schools. Right, and so when they're walking down the street in New York and they see someone, and the dad says, "Oh, look at that little boy," she gets upset and say, "Why are you assuming his gender? We don't know him." Or Woof. we don't know them. Woof. He yeah, said specifically that she uses the third person She's pronoun. following the only instructions that she's ever been taught from her public school teachers to correct and teach her dad the truth. Yeah, so why wouldn't she's she? She's enlightening yeah. him. Yeah, it's like that uh, old Pendulet video where he's a famous atheist libertarian, but mm -hmm. he was saying he doesn't get mad, or at least he used to not get mad when people would proselytize to him about christ because if they really believed that he was going to burn in hell he saw it as an act of compassion that they would go out of their way to tell him about it i love that yeah he said that right he was the one who said that if there was a big semi-truck heading right for you wouldn't the compassionate thing to do would be to push that person away and, and in this case the semi-truck is hell yeah eternity in torment and so i guess that's the most charitable way to put what's happening with the kid to the dad in this scenario mm -hmm. except how sad doesn't quite capture it but how evil is it that that instinct in her to try and promote truth has been perverted 
in that way. And it's easy to have like the boomer knee jerk response to be like, oh, well, that's just public schools for you. But it is sad, like brokenhearted at the end of the day. Because I realize if the toddler says something that I don't particularly like, it's almost too late. It's not too late, but it's like it wasn't just spontaneous. The things that he was exposed to over a certain amount of time led us here to have him say this thing or think this thing. Hmm. And so it was our fault that we didn't provide better oversight. I don't I can't even think of anything egregious that he's done. He's not that old yet. But, you know, if you have a seven year old and or I guess maybe this girl's like 12 mm-hmm. and she's saying, you know, that boy might not be a boy. That's not the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth time that she's been exposed to a thought pattern like that. She's been exposed to that for years over and over and over again, so much that it's ingrained into her brain as truth. And so I can just feel as a parent how heartbreaking that would be to feel like a failure in that right. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to sound too optimistic here. We're talking about the public schools being a source of indoctrination, but there are plenty of progressive people that don't have their kids in public or even private schools. So you can get that at home, too. Right. Which means the fight is more fundamental, which is scary. You're talking (laughs) back about revolution. I don't know how people with such fundamentally different worldviews can live together. Right. I hope that we figure it out. And America is the biggest, longest running experiment in how to do that. And it used to be the knee-jerk action reaction was just, oh, we'll let federalism figure it out. And if you want to be a hippie, you can move to California. If you want to live a traditional lifestyle, you can move to Idaho or Texas. I don't know how viable that will be moving forward. Well, that's another thing that's happened in the past like 10, 20, 30 years is that anything significant in terms of policy has been pushed towards pushed on the federal level yeah and so the answer was okay well we devolve policy back to the states and then people can govern their daily lives but that's how not they good want. enough for people well right activists. but it's because they see these issues as human rights the same as the fight against slavery mm-hmm. and so just like rightly you couldn't say well missouri you can keep your slaves kansas will be free because that's evil, they yeah. see everything that way. So I don't know how states you don't can have rights. This. People do. States have powers. So if a state, well, this is a question for you. Then I've always wondered this: if a state violates the Second Amendment and, like California, they has do all trampled the all over yeah. it, does the federal government have a constitutional authority to come in and say, "No, you can't do that," because these people have rights? So that used to be more difficult before the Fourteenth Amendment. And so there's this whole Which debate about what? whether, so the way See, I, I should be homeschooling our kids. <laughs> well, that's why they have co-ops, right? You have, or I'll teach this part. Okay, you can have this. The, there are different ways to approach this. So you have, we'll just start since we're talking about the left and progressives. They say, well, the foundations of society and our moral knowledge expands over time. We progress. And so as we learn more, the laws change to reflect the current values of the community. And so since we, well, in this case, since we don't believe in guns anymore, it's fine for states to do that. And so then the federal government doesn't have a right to come in and stop New York or California from interfering with the Second Amendment. That's one interpretation. And there are different interpretations on the conservative side, too. So I'll just go to the one I like. Uh, Clarence Thomas is a big proponent of this. 
you look at the 14th Amendment, and maybe this is too far in the weeds already, but in the beginning, the Bill of Rights only applied to the federal government and not the states. Mm -hmm. So the Second Amendment was just Congress shall not infringe your right to bear arms. Okay. After the civil rights movement of the late 1800s, after the slaves were freed and were trying to figure out how to integrate people in society, part of the 14th Amendment is supposed to guarantee equal protection of the law, but also the privileges and immunities of citizenship so that anybody who's a citizen of the United States in whatever state they reside has all of the same privileges and rights recognized by the state government and the federal government mm. so that the free blacks couldn't be discriminated against yeah. now that they were free. Yeah. A big part of that would have been the second amendment. Right. And so under that theory, then if the state government is not honoring and respecting that right, then yes, Congress also, according to the text of the 14th amendment has the responsibility to pass laws to an make sure that those rights are enforced. Okay. Okay. Other people, there's this theory of incorporation where they say the 14th Amendment just included the first, the Bill of Rights and applied them to the states. And that was applied piecemeal, even in the context of the Second Amendment, as recently as the Heller decision. And that was one way that they enforced these federal like... rights on the states. I don't know if I just like blacked out or if you didn't answer my question. Was that boring? Yeah. Can I answer it a different way? Okay. Sure. Um, well, after Roe, people are debating about whether Congress should pass restrictions on abortions or if that should be completely left up to states. The way that I've heard this explained before is that murder is a state's issue. And if abortion is murder, then states should legislate that as they so wish. How do you feel about it? Do you How do I feel about it? I okay, mean, well, what's your. Murder what's your is bad. Take? We should get away from that. <laughs> Um, well, I think morally you go back to why we have a constitution in the first place, why we have a government in the first place. And the way that I was taught to think about it in the way that makes most sense to me is to look at the Declaration of Independence. Why do you make a government at all? To protect people's rights. To protect specifically the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of yes. happiness. That's the only reason you would give up all of the rights you have in a state of nature so that they would be more secure. See, you're not government. a real libertarian because a real libertarian would have said life, liberty, and property. Well, I'm citing the Declaration of Independence, though, and they changed that for that purpose. Property is included in the pursuit of happiness. If you don't have private property rights, you're not going to be very happy. I'm not saying that, okay? They are. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... If you're recurring to first principles, as some people say, or if you're looking at the reason why we have government in the first place, if it's to protect life, then the question becomes, what's the most prudent way to do that? Ugh. If the principle is government exists to protect life because I can't protect life on my own outside of society as well, then how should society be arranged such that life is best protected? So you're saying there's not a straight answer? No, there's not there's not a straight answer to anything. But that's how that's the first question we have to answer to then decide, okay, therefore what? Mm. Okay, so my non academic take would be like I would be comfortable with a federal restriction at a certain number of weeks. But what is that based on? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm saying you're answering the question in a more concrete way. I'm saying this is the how, you're saying this is the what. 
We're answering the same question. Maybe we should at least have some federal restrictions that you can't sell the parts that you get from aborting babies. I know, but why? So like You under- shouldn't be able to sell... You shouldn't be able to like grow babies, murder them, and then sell their parts for profit. That seems... I agree, but so like we're talking about... enough. Yeah, we're talking about whether the federal government has the authority to do that though, right? And so most of what the federal government does... If they does, have the authority to end slavery, that seems... Well, they passed a constitutional amendment to do that though. That's my point. Under the constitution, mm-hmm. does the Congress and the president and the court have the power to do anything about abortion? Most so what you're talking about selling parts, maybe they could under a broad interpretation of the Commerce Clause. So they and that's how they justify doing the vast majority everything. of what the government does. So yeah. surely if they can do everything they're doing now, they can do that. And I would rather well, I wouldn't take this trade off, but if I could get the fear of that to get them to give up everything else and we can go back to federalism, cool. Yeah, right. I'd make that trade. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we can go back to California. So do you think, are we just having like a Fox News alert here? Or is California just a freak show where this just happens in California? Or is there actually like a significant chance that other states could start to do this? That is like penalizing parents for not abiding by proper pronouns determined by minors. I mean, it seems like a logical out growth of that ideology so anywhere that ideology is in control i don't see why other states wouldn't do the same thing unless it becomes a complete uh, cluster cluster yeah Mm. i was gonna Mm -hmm. say yeah i know poop show but uh, i'm like yeah unless it completely breaks down in california i don't see why not and so they might just be the first but why wouldn't massachusetts and new york and vermont do the same thing i don't know i mean maybe they realize that would be too contentious. Mm-hmm. But, but they've done that in Canada too. Yeah. So if it's working in other countries, why not? Are they? I'm sure the UN's probably published something on this. And so it'll work out as it always does. People will move or it'll become intolerable and they'll demand it be changed in another way eventually. But that's back in the declaration too, right? So it says... You're not going to revolt. You're not going to throw off England for light and transient causes. You're not going to have a revolution necessarily just because they put a tax on tea. But if it's after a series of invasions of your rights, if it looks like everything they're doing is going in one direction to putting you under despotism where they can decide everything about your life without your consent. Yeah, I think we've probably reached that point. Well, that's a scary thing to say, huh? I'm not trying to LARP here either. Like, I really don't want there to be a revolution. That would be awful. What are the chances that there would be a revolution in America and we come out with something as good or better than what we had in 1776 or 1787? Not? Not. Oh, no, no. Like, I don't want war either. It's like cool and romantic to talk about and i like dystopian books and films and whatever but i more than that i really like indoor plumbing and And target no not target (laughs) sorry sorry that was just uh habit um aldi (laughs) we haven't been to target in at least a month no we're we're uh we're boycotting that ish um no but we we like we like antibiotics in moderation 
like no i like more decadence than that i like this silly iced coffee that i drink with my spherical ice mold and my uh, my stainless steel straw i like just <clears throat> i like my life the way that it is i like the kids to be able to go to a splash pad you wouldn't have splash pads in a revolution is your splash pad worth the death of untold oh millions of babies and the mutilation of the- countless generations. I'm not joking, but at the same I time, know. I, I know. I don't. Yeah. I know. I'm not trying to be just too Christian for Christ. Welcome to the Free State Podcast. This is episode 18. Today we will be talking about the Shiny Happy People documentary. Um, covering the Duggar family secrets. We got a lot of messages from people in between the last episode and now asking where we were. <laughs> and so we appreciate that you that you guys are listening. Again, we did not expect so much support. So this is, it's really exciting and we really appreciate it. And we're hoping to get back to your anticipated weekly schedule. Yes, we are prepared to be <laughs> weekly again. And so you can still join us on the show at anchor.fm slash freestate. You can leave a voice comment there or a written comment there, and we'll mention it on the show. And as always, you can email questions or concerns to freestatepod at gmail.com. What kind of concerns does someone have about podcasts? Well, um, in your first segment... Um, you said preferred pronoun. Oh. They're just yeah, pronouns. Yeah, hate mail. Send it. Yeah, direct that all at Laura. At the the oh, anti-Catholic yeah, stuff, all her. I'm an Enneagram 8, so I'm ready for it. <laughs> and if you're not a hater and you like the podcast, the best way to support us is to send it to someone that would also like the podcast, as we call them in our house, an ally. Yeah. We're we had lunch with some friends and we were like, It's so nice to meet and and then I looked at Jay's for the correct adjective and he goes, Allied. An allied family. Allied <laughs> or said I said aligned. aligned. Yeah. An aligned family. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not retired. Yeah, we're weirdos. Anyway. Um yeah, so send this to them. Be like, Hey, I don't know if this is weird, but I think you would like this podcast take a listen and i know you have lots of options for what podcasts to listen to so we really appreciate you listening and sharing our show another way to support us is to leave a review i think we're on all platforms yeah i mean i'm looking at them here we're on apple stitcher overcast spotify google google amazon Amazon. yep yeah so leave us a good review there that would also be super helpful thanks Welcome to the Free State Podcast. This is episode 18. Today we will be talking about the Shiny Happy People documentary um, covering the Duggar family secrets. We got a lot of messages from people in between the last episode and now asking where we were. (laughs) And so we appreciate that that you guys are listening. Again, we did not expect so much support. So this is it's really exciting, and we really appreciate it. And we're hoping to get back to your anticipated weekly schedule. Yes, we are prepared to be <laughs> weekly again. 
And so you can still join us on the show at anchor.fm slash freestate. You can leave a voice comment there or a written comment there, and we'll mention it on the show. And as always, you can email questions or concerns to freestatepod at gmail.com. What kind of concerns does someone have about podcasts? Well, um, in your first segment, um, you said preferred pronoun. Oh. They're just yeah, pronouns. Yeah, hate mail. Send it. Yeah, direct that all at Laura. At the the oh, anti-Catholic yeah, stuff, all her. I'm an Enneagram 8, so I'm ready for it. <laughs> and if you're not a hater and you like the podcast, the best way to support us is to send it to someone that would also like the podcast, as we call them in our house, an ally. Yeah. We're, we had lunch with some friends and we were like, it's so nice to meet. And, and then I looked at Jay's for the correct adjective and he goes, allied, an allied family. <laughs> Allied I know, or you said I said aligned, aligned. Yeah. an aligned family. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not retired. Yeah, we're weirdos. Anyway, um, yeah. So send this to them. Be like, hey, I don't know if this is weird, but I think you would like this podcast. Take a listen. And I know you have lots of options for what podcasts yeah. to listen to, so we really appreciate you listening and sharing our show. Another way to support us is to leave a review. I think we're on all platforms. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at them here. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify. Google. Google. Amazon. Amazon. Yep. Yeah, so leave us a good review there. That would also be super helpful. Thanks. So for this episode, Jace and I will be reviewing the documentary about the Duggar family, Jim Bob and Michelle Duggar. They had a series on TLC several years ago, and then their eldest son, Josh Duggar, in the past five years was arrested on multiple counts of child pornography. And so, um, who produced this documentary? It's on Amazon It's on Amazon Prime, right? It's called Shiny Happy People. It was published at the first week of June. And it delves into the family secrets that were kept from their audience members of their TLC show. Um, yeah, the subheader is Duggar Family Secrets. So there's four episodes published right now. Jason and I watched all of them. They're about an hour long each. Yeah, just under. Yeah, so we binged those over the weekend for some light entertainment. <laughs> I giggle, but it was actually super heavy. Yeah, that's not what I expected going into it. I did not enjoy that experience. No, I mean, the first I saw about it was on TikTok. They had a clip of it talking about how impossibly calm and nice and respectful the Duggar kids were on camera. And the lady being interviewed said, I just shudder because I know what it took to To get get them to behave. You and I had that conversation during COVID about and kids and masks. Oh, yeah. And and I was like, you know, it, it is possible for kids to wear masks all day. Specifically Little kids, like five yeah. and under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible for them to wear a mask. But what would I have to do as a disciplinarian to get there? Yeah. Gross. Not interested in that. Anyway. And so I thought that's what this documentary was going to be about when we started it. Oh, corporal punishment? Uh Mm Uh-huh. And that's not what happened. Did you ever watch the show? No. Okay. I 
I did um, like would turn it on sometimes. I watched TLC a lot because they had a lot of these freak shows. Mm-hmm. Like they had ones about weird sexual kinks. Like I remember there was a guy who um, I'm not sure like anatomically how this worked. He would have sex with his car. You know, I think I have seen that. Or there was one who married part of the Berlin Wall. Okay. There was another guy who was sexually attracted to balloons. Okay. Um, And it wasn't just um, sexual kinks. There was like a girl with two heads that they followed around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, My 600 Pound Life is TLC. Okay. So like the My Strange Addiction where Mm -hmm. the girl's eating dirt. Yes, or toilet paper or paper. Okay. Um, There's a name for that. It's either pica or pica. I can't remember. And it often shows up in pregnancy. Oh. Yeah. Um, What else did they have? Oh, they did a whole show. I think it was after the Duggar show. They did a whole show about like virgins getting married and not just um, not just uh, P and V virgins, but like they had never kissed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so they had their first kiss at their wedding, and so they would follow these couples around. And then it was just like, why would you sign up for that? That is I remember seeing clips of the you may now kiss the bride and yes. he eats her mm-hmm. face or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that was all TLC's similar era, and they just profited off of airing these freak shows because we all watched that. Guilty, I mean. We didn't have cable until I was... A teenager and so what was it like growing up as a Duggar family member? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> my mom had a black and white zenith in the kitchen. What's a zenith? That's an old TV brand. Oh, uh, she would watch Gunsmoke and Bonanza and the Andy Griffith Show, like all the. It used to be called TV Land. I don't know if that's still mm-hmm. a channel, mm-hmm. uh, but that would be on in the kitchen. People did that. They had those little TVs in the kitchen. And now it makes so much sense to me because I'm like, oh, yeah, that is where I spend all of my time. <laughs> like a TV would make sense. But now it's just Fox News. So the documentary focused a lot on just revealing what actually went on in the home to get the kids to behave this certain way. But it really focused on almost more than the Duggar family did it explain the Institute of Basic Life Principles. Yeah, they tried to say the Duggars were just following this broader Christian homeschooling movement. Which took place in the the 1980s? I want to say it started then. Yeah. yeah. And so they were the poster family for this way of life that was promoted by this group that I had never heard of. Even They said it was popular in Southern Baptist churches. I was raised Southern Baptist. I know lots of Baptists. I did not know about this or anyone affiliated with it until I watched this. Yeah, somehow you were insulated from that. I went to a Baptist college. Like I've been Mm -hmm. around that world for forever. I don't know. But we know some people who have heard of the Institute. Yes. And And, Well, and we found that out after watching this. Yeah. Yeah, or while watching it. And it was good, a good antidote to the documentary. Yeah, because the way the documentary puts it is this is an abuse factory and they wanted to set up tyrannizing patriarchal authority across the country where all the men would abuse their wives and children for the sake of Christ or whatever. So this institute was was brought up in the 1980s. It was led by a man named Bill Gothard, and you had some of these... um, You had... 
I, I hesitate to call them fundamental because that word is like derogatory. But that's the word the documentary used. They okay. said this was a bunch of fundamentalist Baptists mm-hmm. who were looking for an alternative to the sexual revu- revolution. So they turned to this guy who had like a nine point plan for having a yeah, family. They wanted to know, okay, we look around us, we see all of this upheaval. We want to know how do we raise our kids in you know, the ways of God and have them be moral, upright citizens at the end of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was promising, yeah, a however many point plan and his parents, you know, you're tired, you're busy, you're looking for something like that. And so, um, this wasn't, a this wasn't church. This was more like practical life advice, but explicitly based on the Bible. Yes. Centered around the church. So there was the, um, there was the Institute and then out of the Institute, there was a homeschooling curriculum yeah. called Advanced Training Institute, ATI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the Duggars were a, yeah, Proponent. a star family yeah. of this movement. And spoiler alert, when the founder of this movement who was never married and never mm-hmm. had kids had to step down because of sexual abuse, the Duggars then supposedly took his place as like the leaders of this movement yeah yeah the guy that was giving family advice didn't didn't have a family red flag yeah and his brother had previously been fired for sexual abuse yeah his brother wasn't as crafty as bill gothard yeah the head guy in charge so the documentary is a lot of people who have been affiliated with the Institute for Basic Life Principles or affiliated groups who have suffered abuse or trauma Mm -hmm. based on their experiences with it in their own families. And then they comment on the Duggars and what they know about the show and how that lifestyle is portrayed. So it's coming at it from an obviously skeptical perspective. I know the big theologian that they quote in the show is Kristen Dumay, uh, who's a, I think she's a gender studies professor. That was one of the things that first stood out to me was the guests and just visually. Like, obviously, these guests are not just neutral. They're not going to have a neutral opinion of the Duggars or even just uh, <laughs> the Christian faith, but like, they're not going to have a neutral opinion of conservative Christian families. Like they are obviously rebelling against it because half of them had not that I'm anti pink hair, but half of them had pink hair. You know, they were, they, they dressed themselves in a way that was like when they got ready for the documentary, they wanted you without them saying anything to instantly know that they were not part of this movement anymore. Right. And, all of that to say a neutral documentary would have been boring, so sure. whatever. But if you're trying to get a complete understanding of the IBLP or even the Duggars, there was probably stuff that was left out. I wouldn't know yeah, not having known them or known the show. But the factual things that came out were bad enough that <laughs> I learned yeah. a ton. 
We should give a little bit more context about the Duggar family. So they were on this show because they had a ton of kids. kids and counting as the yeah. show was titled. And I think eventually Michelle had to stop having children because one was on an incubator, possibly did not live mm. very long. I can't remember how that how that ended. There there might have been 20 or 21 kids. Um, it turns out your body just can't keep having kids like that. But that was another aspect of this movement they said there was something called quiverful yes and there are families who believe that you should have as many kids as your body will allow and i guess they're part of that too i don't yeah i don't know if they're explicitly part of that but they seemed to have been following those principles i don't think the biological capacity is the only i think you should have a litter of children but i don't think the biological capacity is like the only measurement to determine how many you should have there's mental emotional capacity there's financial i yeah but that one is is low on the list because you know if you wait till you can afford kids well, that's right, kids, but you'll never have them. It's a lot easier to have nineteen if you're making eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Is yeah. what they were bringing in from that TLC show. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so they have the weird hairstyles. They wear the dresses with the pantaloons underneath them, the billowy pants underneath the dresses. They have all the girls in dresses, not wearing pants, with like the big pilgrim collars, like the big white. They yeah. look like they were taken out of like 1850 and then transplanted <laughs> into 2010 with some crunchy moose hair and very thick black eyeliner. Mm. And the girls, you know, it is very much impressed upon the girls to dress modestly. And the Institute teaches this thing called eye traps, which they covered early in the documentary. Yeah, there were... I guess whole lessons in this curriculum about which the family I, followed. Yeah, so the Duggar family followed the ATI curriculum, identifying which dresses were too slutty. Yeah, there was. A, well, I didn't use the word slutty, but they there were several slides of different outfits, and the girls had to circle the eye traps in the outfits. So there was like this A-line dress that had a semi-transparent, a lace top. The sleeves in the top part over the top of the chest and the shoulders was lace. And so they had to circle that as that was the eye trap. Or there was like a calf length skirt with a slit at the side. And so they had to circle the slit like that was an eye trap for men. And later on in the documentary, Michelle Duggar says, um, you know, she didn't realize that when she was a cheerleader wearing these short skirts and these provocative outfits, how, quote, this was her, quote, defrauding that was to men because she was displaying things that they couldn't have. And that was wrong. <laughs> so how does that make you feel? Um. <laughs> it reminds me of the whole debate about burning the Koran. I was going to say they might as well be wearing burqas if that's yeah. really what they believe. Well, I just meant people, an argument against that is that fundamentalist Muslims will riot if you do that. We'll do what? If you burn a Koran, they'll mm. freak out and burn your house down. Mm-hmm. And that used to be criticized as condescending and mm. not treating them with the dignity of 
being human and being able to make rational calculation, whatever, they're just responding to stimulus. Yeah. That seems to be the same argument here. <clears throat> Dress in a burqa or it's your fault if you get raped. Right. But on the other side, I mean, I'm not for victim blaming. Yeah. I'm not for slut shaming, all that. But if we had a daughter, right, I would tell her not to go get drunk and naked. <laughs> if I had a daughter, this is what I would tell her. I've thought of, yeah, I've thought about yeah, this. We've talked about what it. are you gonna, you know, what are you gonna tell the boys? So to the girls, I would say, and we're all just, you know, we're all just making this up. We don't know what we're doing. But this is what I would tell the girls. I would say there are freaks out there, absolute freaks. We have rules in this household. We, um, you know, the Bible is true and we know that. But there are freaks out there who just do whatever they want and they think there will be no consequences. And so the reality of the world is that you need to go out into it prepared to encounter those people yeah. who do not live by a set of rules. And so it's unfortunate, but you should dress modestly because you respect yourself and you do not want to put yourself in dangerous situations. Um, yeah, I like that. People often say, well, you need to teach boys not to rape. Well, <laughs> yes, and we're teaching our boys to respect everyone. And so but there are freaks out there. I want to counter that with, this is what I, I will just tell this to the boys straight up because I've realized that this is just my parenting style. If you see a woman <laughs> naked on the sidewalk and she's, screaming at you like violate me yeah you don't you treat her with respect and you say honey let's get you some clothes let me buy you a meal and i'll take you home i think that's in proverbs oh that exact almost that... yeah <laughs> really yeah she stands on the street quarter corner saying oh come in here but uh the proverb is but her bed is a den of snakes and a snare and, a den of sin yeah. yes well not just that but <laughs> it's talking about ad the adulteress and yeah she lies and it seems like it would be good in the time but it'll be better yeah afterward but even more so like i think it's your duty to inspire virtue and just yeah i think that's part of and why the metaphor like you help her get to a point where she's not humiliating herself like that yeah we waffled back and forth like while we were watching this documentary because some of the people who were being interviewed would scoff at simple biblical truths and we would be like yeah. well that's true though right and then they would and then they would talk about horrendous things like the eye trap thing or or i remember one thing that i can't forget was michelle duggard when she was confronted with what her eldest son Josh had done, which was molesting her own daughters, yeah. she did not like when her husband, Jim Bob, used the word molest in a private conversation. She said, don't say that he molested our girls. She wanted him to say inappropriately touched. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because yeah. it's your son, but it's your daughters that right. he was doing this to. That was the big thing for me. It comes out that they knew that the oldest son had molested his sisters before the show even started. Mm -hmm. And so in service of, I guess, the show where they're thinking they're going to promote their lifestyle and their ministry, they hid that. 
which then I guess allowed him to continue some forms of abuse if he's arrested later for child porn and he was on Ashley Madison cheating on his wife. Uh, It wasn't good for him and it wasn't good for the daughters. The dad was not protecting his family like he's saying he should be under the system. The umbrella of authority, which we can get into. But one thing I wanted to cover first was what I appreciated the documentary exposed, which is this is why I think documentaries this is one of the most powerful things that they can do is they provide you the broader context for why people are the way they are. And they talked about um, Jim Bob Duggar's personal history. He grew up in a broken household. He had a fairly absent father. And when he was present, he was, I think, physically abusive, at least emotionally abusive. And so Jim Bob was kind of ripe or groomed to be one of these men like um, Charles Manson or like these other cult leader type men where he grew up in an unstable environment and then was presented with an ideology that empowered him and made him feel good, but in a very dangerous and sinister way. At least that's the way the documentary portrays it, but it seems to be the case in his case. (coughs) He ran for... Maybe the basic life principles weren't sinister on their own, but I think it's fair to say that if put into the hands of the wrong people, it was unfortunately easy enough to manipulate them and use them for. Yeah, you could see how small authoritarian men would abuse them. Small authoritarian men is a good way to put it. Well, and that always reminds me, I can't remember if it was Milton Friedman or whoever. We should set up the system so that even if the bad people are in charge, we'll still be okay. I don't think that's possible. And so that criticism can be applied to any system. But yeah, this specifically, and we can get into it if you're ready. They they have this image that the documentary comes back to a lot of something called the umbrella of authority. Mm -hmm. And so the basic idea, at least as I saw it on the slides from the IBLP, is that Christ is like an umbrella covering the dad, the mom, the family, everybody. And if you're under his authority, he's protecting you from Satan coming in and tempting you or harming you as long as you stay under his authority. So you're obeying his commands, you're mm-hmm. following him. This and is going to sound so weird to normies. I'm just. No, that's fine. Continue. I'm trying to just portray what the documentary is talking about. And so this is supposed to be a core teaching of this movement that all the other teachings are based on. Yeah. Then under Jesus, you have the dad. And so they have this idea of the umbrella. So the rain is falling on Jesus's umbrella, Mm -hmm. which is protecting the dad's umbrella, Mm -hmm. which is protecting the family. Yeah. And so I look at that and I say, oh, the dad is responsible. If the family gets wet, it's because the dad failed in some way. He did not go out of his way to keep them dry. He didn't make himself ready either by having marketable skills to be able to provide for them, to be able to shoot, to be able to know that you need a security system to keep people out of your house, to lead them to church every week spiritually. You let them get wet because you didn't uphold your responsibility. Well, the umbrella... To be an umbrella would be to suffer on behalf of other people. Yeah, you're getting wet, so they it's don't. Not, it's not a luxury to be an umbrella. Yeah. Like, you are the one laying yourself down for right. other people. But just bigger than this, before, you know, I was following Christ seriously and 
when that's why I said normies are going to think this is so weird if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian and you're not even familiar with Christian ideas. Um, this is going to sound really bizarre and culty even for us to agree with this point. I remember when you and I were dating and I had I was looking at someone's Instagram bio and I was like it said someone's bio said wife, mother, and then whatever else, maybe her profession or something else after that. And I, and I looked to you and I was like, kind of offhand, why would she have wife before mom? Doesn't mom matter? The kids obviously matter more. And then you were explaining to me this idea of who was protecting who. Hmm. I had never even once in my life considered that. What is the formula of protection in a family or a marriage or in life in general? Um, I can tell you that my parents never have. We've had this conversation with my dad before. Is it country first or family first? Or yeah. We had never even considered sorting this out in our mind before meeting you. Um, well, and if this sounds weird, I've heard someone else put it this way to make it make sense. If you're walking down the street with your wife and kids if, uh, as a man and someone jumps out with a gun and he's going to rob you or shoot you or whatever. Whose job is it to try and stop that? It is not mine. <laughs> and that seems obvious to me. I hope it's obvious to you, audience. But that's what I'm talking about when we're talking about this whole thing. You can even use in, in intuition as a test for this. Or instinct, I should say. Instinct yeah. as a test for this. Because we've done this before if you go if you just ask any man and you say uh the car is your the car has crashed off the road into water it's going underwater it's taking on water are you going to save your wife or your children and men instinctively want to save their wife Hmm. and the woman will turn to look at him and he she goes you're a dead man if you don't save the children first right at least that's yeah. common, the common answer. No, this answer. is a big fight in, <laughs> between my parents, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, but that's the way that we're wired. And that's a, that's a good thing, mm-hmm. I think, um, because then the wife saves the children and the husband saves everyone. Yeah. Um, I agree. And you can lean boss. into that instinct that way. Yeah, so in the documentary, they keep referring it to the umbrella of authority, and authority is like the operating word because it's how they ra- or justify a lot of the other instructions that follow. Yeah, and a lot of the people they interviewed were talking about how their dads turned that into sexual and physical abuse. Mm-hmm. And that is a perversion of the idea as I understand it. So yeah. it's awful and apparently way more common than I imagined. At least it's portrayed that it, way. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, there, because there's a whole website called what was it? Recovering Grace. It was started out as a blog for people to share their stories of abuse. I would s- prefer if it were called like Umbrella of Protection, or I mean, even in the Bible, it's love. Like your husbands are supposed to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Like it's right. It's so not... it's got a direct <laughs> biblical connection, but it, that doesn't mean therefore he shall beat you. And there were videos of spanking and apparently even husbands. Corporal punishment, the, the mechanism for enforcing everything. Everything. Even up to spanking wives. Yeah. 
which they didn't talk about a lot, but it was mentioned in passing that some of these men would enforce rules. But that I don't way. think every family that was involved with the IBLP no. were spanking their wives. Like, it, right. So that's part of the problem with the documentary. I think part of the problem possibly with the Institute was that the set of rules that they get, gave were possibly it was designed this way. I don't know. The guy in charge was not of character. So that's to be determined. But um, I think they were vague enough or tweaked enough um, or yeah, that a man without character could, could use them to perpetrate abuse. Yeah. Did you ever run into any like fundamentalist families when you were growing up? Now that I'm thinking back on it, on swim team, there was one family with a 15 passenger van. That doesn't make someone fundamentalist. But. I understand. <laughs> I'm just, they fit the stereotype. I don't know oh. what they did in their home. There did they was wear just a, a lot of kids. Yeah, I mean. But I guess it was a boy, so. Boys and girls. Boys can do whatever they want. But the girls wore the Speedos too, the one piece. Oh. Swims, so swim they probably outfit. weren't that weird. Yeah, they weren't wearing burkinis or whatever. <laughs> Another thing that the documentary highlights was um, Josh Duggar who turns out worked for Family Research Council, and we have friends who <laughs> work at FRC. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sexually molested um, five girls repeatedly, two or three of which were his sisters, and that started when he was 12. Yeah. And so you and I looked at each other after that was said and was like, okay, what happened to him? Because a 12-year-old boy doesn't just start molesting people. Right. And then he eventually was on the show. <laughs> they, they sent him off to some rehabilitation camp uh, sponsored by IBLP and where he was supposed to build houses and, you know, I don't know, somehow recover from being <laughs> a sexual predator. Eventually, a family friend confronted Jim, Bob and Josh about this abuse because they were trying to set him up with this man's daughter to marry. And Jim, Bob admitted that he was using this girl as a carrot to get Josh to behave well while in the home and on the show yeah, with the hopes of marriage. Like behave well so that you can have a wife that you can do this to instead. Right. And eventually they took him to turn himself in or whatever to a sheriff. Mm -hmm. But it turns out the sheriff was a buddy of Jim Bob's and who himself got arrested for child porn or something later. Yeah. Yeah. Everything this family did was calculated and Jim Bob was very much focused on... As I was mentioning earlier, before the show and before all of this, he um, was interested in fame. Um, he ran for office several times throughout the show and after the show. And but so Josh grew up and got uh, did get married and had several children with a woman and was running the family car business when he was arrested by Homeland Security for several counts of child pornography. I don't do trigger warnings, um, generally speaking, but if you uh, if you don't do well with this stuff, I don't, but no I'm going to, yeah. yeah. We're going to talk about child abuse, and, and uh, yeah. And Laura had trouble even writing down the notes to remember enough to talk about it. Yeah, so you might want to fast forward <laughs> um, like five or ten minutes. 
So Homeland Security said that the content that they found on Josh Duggar's computer was in the top five worst cases of child pornography that they had ever seen. And they described images of three or four month old infants being sexually abused, invisible pain, screaming out in pain. Um, there were tortured, were tortured. There were over 65 images and there was one video at least. And he had that program on his devices what is it called covenant eyes covenant eyes and we know people who use that and i think that's a very virtuous thing to do if you have a problem viewing porn it you can describe how it functions yeah it's like i guess it's like spyware but you put this program on your computer so it monitors your internet activity and if you go to a porn site or any site that you've agreed not to go to Maybe you're a gambling addict. It could work for that, too, if you're doing online poker or something. Mm. It will alert either a family member or someone you've agreed to beforehand so that they can hold you accountable. Yeah. And that's how it works. I think that's a perfect solution to the you know digital world that we live in. Um, but Josh was apparently like digitally savvy enough to yeah, set, he, split his hard drive on his yeah. computer or something and so to circumvent. Eyes, only yeah. saw one hard drive and the other mm-hmm. one he can do whatever and the prosecutors recommended a high sentence because it was clear that he had sexually violent interests that was increasing yeah. yeah and then they cut smash cut to after he was convicted they there was an older interview with his wife where she was saying well when this came out are you just you got to pray for your husband and it's hard, but I know we'll make it through this. My favorite guest on the documentary was that woman who had been in an abusive marriage and was the product of one of these like very abusive fundamentalist families, the the redhead Mm -hmm. who, um, I think you're combining two people. There was a redhead with shorter hair and then a blonde lady with long hair she had just gone blonde. That's what redheads do when they get old. Oh, gotcha. Because they lose yeah, their yeah, pigmentation. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But she Understood. was a redhead. Okay. Okay. We can cut that. <clears throat> no, we'll leave it. So she was <laughs> <laughs> So she was a redhead. Um she was wearing the black turtle. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I know who you're about. So this woman, she was in the documentary and she's talking about yeah, how she was raised and she was one of the worst cases of these families. And she said that the man she married raped her three times on her wedding night. And that basically set the precedent for their marriage, which I'm not sure how long it lasted, the marriage, but she had at least four or five kids with this guy. Um, She escaped one day and, you know, good for her. But I liked what she had to say about Josh's wife. I can't remember her name, but um, she said, what is she going to do? She has several children with this man. She was raised in a way that taught her that you just follow your husband everywhere, even if he's physically and sexually abusive to you and or your family. That is your duty as a wife. Yeah, he's your authority. You can't question <laughs> that. They use this uh, school of thought in the IBLP and in the in the Duggar family was to be a mercy giver. So her job as a woman was just to give mercy and to make situations better no matter how bad they were and, like, I think there is some truth to that, but obviously not to this insane degree. And so she stuck right. around and this woman was saying, well, what she doesn't even know that she could have a book deal and make millions of dollars on her own and support herself and her children. She doesn't know that. Um, and certainly nobody's telling her that. And if um, Jim Bob can have any say in it, she's preventing anyone from telling her that. Yeah. 
And all of this reminds me of, <clears throat> since we're talking about legitimate authority, it reminds me of what yeah. we were talking about earlier with revolution. We're supposed to, according to the Bible, Romans 13, you submit to the governing authorities, right? You mm -hmm. don't just have the right to revolt for no reason. But the Bible also says God institutes government for your good and mm -hmm. to uphold virtue, morality, all of that. And so to the extent that government is not doing what God designed it to do, then yeah. you do have the right to establish, not just have anarchy, but to establish a government that does follow God. In the same way, mm. it seems like they left that part out of this. If if your husband is not keeping the rain off of you, if he's not protecting you, if he's the one that is allowing that satanic right. abuse into your house, get rid of him. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why you can't have the full teaching. Well, it's like members of Congress. When you get to make the rules, why wouldn't you craft them in a way that benefits yourself? Course, if, you're, that if you're an yeah. evil person, yeah. you know. Right. But obviously, yeah. So Jim Bob, the dad, ran for office several times, and they ha they kept flashing these pictures of him with Mike Huckabee. Yeah, because um, they're from Arkansas. Who was that other guy that ran? I don't. I think it was Alabama. He was a judge, and he said Roy, all of those. Was yes, that Roy Moore. Roy Moore, and he said the these crazy things. He well, he was accused of sexual misconduct with minors, like young minors. Yeah. He's an old man and had gotten in trouble for when he was probably my age trying to date high school kids. Just like right off the bat, like that's you're an incredibly immature guy if you're 32 looking to right. have any sort of relationship with a girl. A girl, because that's what they are. But well, he won a defamation big lawsuit. defamation suit over all that. But he said this thing. I remember there was this, he, he was like trying to defend himself. And he goes, well, Mary in the Bible was probably 14. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And no we don't comment. Know, we don't know how old Joseph was, but he wasn't around at the crucifixion. So mm. you wonder. So you were talking about Jim Bob running for office. He kept running for office even after all of this. Oh, no. Yeah. He launched a U.S. Senate bid while Josh was under investigation for yeah. these child pornography charges. So he doesn't, I guess, see that as a reflection on his leadership or anything at all. And now his son ran for office too. Uh, not the other son. I say the other. He has lots of sons. But then the final episode of the documentary focuses on something called the Joshua Generation, which is supposedly mm -hmm. this secret plot to have Christian homeschool kids take over the world. And you and I were like, yes. Yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> that is what we want. <laughs> we're members of this thing that I've never heard of. I know. <laughs> um, how do? Where do we sign up? <laughs> and we're talking about how these kids get internships in the White House and run for Congress. I know, and I was and immediately thinking of like people we know, and I was like, oh, yeah, she did get that internship <laughs> yeah. in the White House. And most of these people are great. So no, like whatever. the sweetest people you'd ever meet. <laughs> yeah. But they said the, <laughs> I guess the most the high most high profile politician from that group was Madison, Madison Cawthorn. Madison Cawthorn. Who I never would have guessed. We hate. We're like right. such a useless frat boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, but we also followed his um, 
relationship. I took that uh, upon myself to track. Like yeah, I should say, she did. Um, yeah. I was all about like the Instagram stalking that. He was married to some fitness model. Married or engaged? I couldn't remember. No, they were, were they married. married. Oh my. Yeah, they got engaged like during the campaign, and then they got married like right as he was going to office. And I was like, well, this isn't going to last. Mostly because she was posting like what fitness models post on Instagram. And I was like, this is not, <laughs> this is not going to work out. I'm sure the little old ladies in his district in North Carolina are just like losing themselves over this. And the marriage lasted like a year. If that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's engaged again. Oh. Yeah. Good for her. But Landed he like didn't. Butt. The thing about Madison Cawthorn is that he didn't hire any legislative staff. He just hired comm staff because he thought that just, well, his mission in office was to just troll the libs. Yeah, get on Fox. I think that's yeah. a, an exact quote. So if you're trying to take over the world and be effective <laughs> in government, and that is the best you can do, I don't think we need to worry about the Joshua generation quite as much. Well, and they tried to tie it to... The Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Oh, and we knew that that was the direction this documentary yeah. was going. We're like, ah, okay, I see where they're going with this. These fundy, wacko Christians are, you know, creating a, uh, what is it, Handmaiden's Tale. And, yeah, and he, that was explicitly name dropped. But correct me if I'm wrong, but all the people who voted for Dobbs are catholic right is gorsuch catholic maybe not but the other ones are okay i'm glad you brought it up this time because i didn't want to be like the anti-catholic over here well um, so that was so a question <laughs> when i was watching this actually okay so i did think of the catholic church because i was like oh you know this is what happens when you suppress these feelings in this sort of way when you say like don't think about the pink elephant don't you dare think about that pink elephant there is a pink elephant in the corner of the room but i don't want you to think about it or look at it well they if, put it they put it that way in the documentary it was don't think about your sister's boobs right then, yeah, yeah that was i loved that line um so right you're gonna think about your sister's boobs and then want to touch them and then touch them because you're a man and you can get away with anything so <clears throat> this is obviously a really bad way <laughs> to um discipline or disciple or bring up children um, okay, but so I immediately thought of the Catholic Church and um, Bill Gothard. I was like, oh, you mean like the Pope, like the right. man who's in charge, who doesn't have a family and um, <laughs> is leading everybody in this way. Um, people are going to have issues with this. We have a lot of Catholic audience members. We're not trying to be ugly. I'm... No, but it begs the question. I mean, why does this happen in these sorts of environments? Well, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. It's You hate it when I use that phrase. It begs the question. Well, because it's an incorrect usage, but it's it's kind of like saying literally when you mean figuratively. Oh. But it's a really pedantic thing to be annoyed at. Yeah, actually. Right. Okay. Sorry. Uh I've been distracted for the past couple minutes because I was Googling to make sure Gorsuch wasn't Catholic. He's not. Looks like he's Anglican. Anglican, waspy, D.C., trash. I'm just kidding. We he's love not Gorsuch. from D.C., but um, to make the Catholic point. Oh, well, I mean, it goes back to the thing I said about Milton Friedman. Any system, I think he's wrong. You can't have a system that works with bad men. Mm. And so if there's a system 
with that kind of a rigid hierarchy. Yeah. Bad and not men just are going to get on top. It's I think Hayek made that point why the worst get on top. And not just a rigid hierarchy. I guess rigid would maybe imply this, but a set of rules keeping those um who are governed from saying any objecting in any way. Yeah. Well, and another parallel that came out in the documentary, when Bill Gothard's brother got in trouble for sexual abuse, he didn't fire him at first. He moved him to some other camp that was far away uh-huh. from the center uh-huh. of the IBLP. That and I like thought immediately, oversight. Yeah, yeah, I would thought immediately, oh, he's a bad priest. We're going to put him in San Francisco or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know who else I thought about? And... We considered doing a whole podcast on this, but Steven Crowder. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. So when you and I got together. He like, had just gotten married. Yeah. And yeah. And he was doing these. He mentioned so many times. Well, we were both virgins when we got married and I'm so glad we were. We were virgins, virgins, virgins. We never had that. Like it was. He. Every time talked he talked about, about it, it yeah. all the time. Yeah. And good on them. Good for you. That's yeah. how it should be. That's what we will tell the boys. That is the goal. To yeah. save yourself for marriage. Um, but I said, this is so uncomfortable for me to even listen to. I'm imagining being his wife and he's just airing my sexual history. Sure. That is not what a husband should do. That is not what a gentleman should do. That's gross. That's an invasion of my privacy. Mm. Whichever way it is, if I'm a virgin or not a virgin, you should not be airing that for the entire world to hear. That is a private thing between me and you. Um, ben Shapiro still talks about it, so what? I'll send that to you next time I hear it. That his wife was a virgin. That they both were, yeah. I think that's gross. To I don't know. Yeah, Personally, it's uncomfortable for sure. I guess they're seeing themselves as leaders of a movement, so they're saying. I guess if you're using we, it as a teaching moment, we sure. believe this and we did this. Okay. It's not, I in yeah. that context, that I can see. Yes, I can see that. But that's not how Steven Crowder was doing it. Sure. He was kind of using it as like a battering ram for, you know, I'm modernity. Better. And I'm like, better than, I'm you. Better than yeah. you because I did this. And it just it wasn't persuasive for the people that he was pretending to want to persuade. And yeah. I didn't like it. The, the style of it was just uh, uncouth might be the word for it. Sure. Um, but well, I now I also just had like this in, intuitive um, ick. Yeah. He was icky. He's always been icky to me. Yeah. And it turns out he's also kind of icky <laughs> during his marriage and not the same way, but no. In similar fashions. Yeah, like there was bomb. a video that came out a few weeks ago of Steven Crowder yelling at his I guess now ex wife mm-hmm. for not walking the dog or something. Well, I, can't I can't remember. But he was yelling the at her. Details really don't matter. Ugly. Yeah. Because it was like the, the way in which it was done. It was like, you're not performing your womanly duties. And anybody who just even says that yeah, phrase is... It says you're not respecting me or yeah. something. Yeah. I've never met a guy that puts purity on a pedestal in a very aggressive way like he was doing that isn't a weirdo or an authoritarian. Controlling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. And there's been a recent movement against the, and I don't think he was in the documentary, but there was a guy named Joshua Harris. He wrote a famous book in the evangelical world, and I did know about him, and I had youth pastors who had followed him. Uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. 
And so he was big into the whole courting thing and you don't kiss until you're married Mm -hmm. and all of that. And so that comes out in this documentary, specifically the difference between dating and courting where you have side hugs, but chaperones. Side hugs, chaperones, leave room for Jesus. Even when you're engaged, chaperones on a date. That's insane. Yeah. Okay. Same page. One big takeaway I had was if you look at the world... And all you see is chaos in a bad way. You don't want to live in chaos. A natural instinct would be to institute the opposite of chaos, which is order. Yeah. The Bible provides that for you. Biblical truths are the order that you need. Mm -hmm. Normies, liberal normies might see Christians like you and I and see us as one and the same with people like the Duggars. Oh, definitely. Right. The message of because the we believe in these set of truths. Yeah. But people like the Duggars, the reasons why they are weird and where this abuse stems from are these extra rules that they have set in place outside of, on top of biblical truths. Yeah. We had a friend interpret it kind of like the Pharisees with the Jewish law. Mm-hmm. So. Not that the Old Testament's not complicated enough, but they would say, okay, you have to honor the Sabbath, therefore you can't do this whole list of things on the Sabbath, not just that you have to rest. That's In their interpretation of the biblical command, they add a ton of extra rules on top of it, and yeah. that's where it goes wrong. The Duggars and fundamentalist families like them don't believe in biblical truths more than you and I. They don't take them more seriously than you and I. They aren't following them more fundamentally than you and I. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's how people who are not Christians or not familiar with the church at all would see it. Oh, they just believe it more than you do. They take it seriously. They take it more seriously because they, so they are the epitome of what it is to be a believer because they're even weirder than you are, but they're not weirder. They're wrong. Exactly. That's the key point, because I would say under the definition of fundamentalism, which is taking the Bible literally as truth and then trying to figure out how to apply that, we might fall under that definition. I mean, evangelical broadly means that you believe the Bible and and in justification by faith. Okay, so we're in that umbrella. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? This camp is clearly interpreting it wrong, and I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier about revolution and prudence. You have to think about how to apply the Bible to your life, and obviously they thought about it the wrong way. We're singing all day, and you can't tame it. High tide, low tide, you know. Night time, the morning time, yeah. We're going strong, headed up, down the river. I feel a change on the rise.